Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, it says, This is a letter from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to all of God's people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and the deacons. Verse 2, may God the Father to you, Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace. How many say amen to that today? You're like, yeah, I'll take some grace and peace in my life. Verse 3, every time I think of you, I give thanks to God, whether I pray and I make my requests for all of you with great joy. For you have been my partners in, in spreading the good news about Jesus Christ from the time you first heard of me till now. In verse 6, and I am certain that God, who began a good work in you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Jesus returns. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for truth. Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit would lead and God and direct our thoughts and the impressions in our heart today. Reveal your will and your desires today, Father. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Give it up for the worship team. They did an amazing job today. I love this verse. Paul says, I am certain, okay, thinking about things that we're certain about. You know what I'm certain about? I am certain that as soon as service is over, I'm going to McDonald's and I'm getting a Coke because I love McDonald's Coke. Anybody testify of some McDonald's Coke, okay? Love it. It's manna from heaven. It's goodness from God. But I love it. He says, I'm certain that God who began a good work in you will be faithful to see that come to pass. You know, I think about... Um, the day that my youngest, Luke, was born, um, it was on September 16th, 2014. Yeah, okay. Any dads have a hard time with that, just remembering, the, like, all the numbers? And, you know, you go to, like, the pharmacy, and you got to put in the numbers. You're like, oh, I hope this is right. And, and so I remember that day we went to see the doctor, and Jess was super pregnant, and, you know, we thought for sure they were going to send us in that day and, you know, induce her, and the doctor said, no, you're good, go home, everything's fine, I'll see you in a few days, and, you know, we'll see if you're ready then, and so we went home, and we were hanging out as a family, I actually went and played basketball that night, because, you know, I'm a good dad like that, and so I went and played basketball, came home, watching one of my new favorite shows, it's called fresh off the boat. Anybody watch that show? It's about a little Asian family. Love them. It just reminds me of like my best friend Taka and uh, his family. And so I was watching fresh off the boat and, and Jess was like, you know, thriving in pain, you know, and she's just like, you know, I think this baby's coming. And I'm like, you know, that's cool. I'm going to go take a shower real quick. And so I went upstairs, took a quick shower and came back and she's like, listen, like, like, we got to go, you know, like she had that face. And I was like, all right, here we go. And so, so we hop in the car and it's raining. And as we're driving to the hospital in Dayton, she's like, I'm going to have this baby right here. And I'm like, in Jesus name or not, because I will pass out and the car will crash and we will all die because as soon as I see blood, I am done. And so, and she is just like, I'm going to have this baby. I'm going to have this baby. And so, you know, I've been to the hospital a few times. I'm a pastor. I do, you know, pastoral visits and stuff like that. 
you know, but there's something about in the moment of pressure, how your brain can just like go crazy. And so like, I believe that I take the right exit, but unfortunately I didn't take the right exit. And so we were like, you know, careening in the rain in downtown Dayton. And, you know, I get to where I think the hospital is and it's really not the hospital. It's really like a drug deal going down at the corner, you know, and I'm like, my wife's going to have a baby and they're going to sell us drugs at the same time, you know, and, and she's freaking out. And so finally we get turned around and we pull up to the hospital and they're like why don't you come in and do some paperwork and we're like why don't you come take us to a room you know like like this baby's coming and so we go upstairs and they take us upstairs and there's no rooms I mean I'm thinking like is this like the story of Jesus right now you know what I mean like they're like there's no rooms they're like pushing things aside in this one room trying to clean things up and she gets in there and she's like I want an epidural and they're like there ain't no time for an epidural you know and, and then Jess's mom comes and and like boom like 20 minutes we're there for like 20 minutes at a hospital and here comes Luke on 111 you know what I love the moment that little boy came into this world God said I'm faithful I'm the one who began this good work in him and I'm the one that will be faithful to take care of him I'm the one that will see his days fulfilled. And I think so often in life, especially the older we get, I think we have this internal pressure and this feeling that, like, it's my job to make sure that I get to the other side. It's my job to make sure that we're successful as a family. It's my job to make sure that we're going to be financially okay. It's my job. And the whole time, God the Father's going, listen, it's not your job. It was never your job. It's my job as a heavenly father, the one who began a good work in you the moment you were born and came into planet Earth. It was my job then. It's my job now to make sure that I take good care of you, that I lead you, that I'm the one that is there for you. And this is what Paul's saying he's certain about. Paul's talking about being certain. And it goes on in verse 7. He goes on and says this. So it is only right that I should feel this way about all of you that I do. For I have this special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor with God, both in my imprisonment. Isn't that amazing? This is where Paul's writing this from. A place where he's bound, he's chained, he's probably beaten, he's cold, he's probably tired. They're not feeding him well there. And defending and confirming the truth and the good news about God. Verse 8. God knows how much I love for you and long to for you with tender compassion of Jesus Christ. Verse 9. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and you will keep growing in the knowledge and the understanding. Verse 10. For I want you to understand what really matters. This is what Paul's saying. He's in prison. And he's going, I want you to understand in life what really, truly matters. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I have a hard time keeping a true north on that in life, okay? That sometimes in life I have a really hard time going, what really, truly matters? Because you know what really matters? Jesus matters, okay? 
your relationship with Jesus, having a thriving, growing, real relationship with Jesus matters. Your marriage matters. Your children matter. Your friends matter. This church that you're involved with matters. These are the things that truly matter in life. But how many of you know that a lot of times these are the things that get the back burner of our life? These are the things that somehow get too busy. We get too busy for it, and we get focused on many other things in this life. Paul goes on in verse 11 says this, May you be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteousness of your character that produces life in Jesus Christ that will bring much glory in God to praise. Paul ends by going, listen, don't lose your first love. Don't lose your first love in Christ Jesus. But I want to go back to this verse, verse 6. I'm going to read out of a different translation, out of the Passion Translation. Verse 6 says, I pray with great faith for you, which is amazing that Paul's praying for people as he's in prison and, you know, not doing well in his own soul, in his own life, and he's praying for others. He says, for I am fully convinced. I love this version, how it says, I am fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you will be faithful to continue the process of maturing you and will, and will put his finishing touches on it until the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I am fully convinced. What is Paul really, truly, fully convinced of? I mean, at that moment, he's got to be fully convinced that he's in prison, okay? I don't know about you, but I'm not a fan of prison, okay? Um, when I was growing up, I'll never forget this. It was like probably nine years old, okay, probably nine years old. And we went on a field trip to a prison, okay? Anybody else, like, go to a jail? Yeah, Ferris nodding her head. Yeah, a few of you, Okay. Listen, this is insane, okay? I remember I'm like nine years old, and I remember Jess asked me, like, is this a real story? I'm like, yes, this is like a real story, okay? Like, it's so sad. I remember I, we go to the prison. We meet with, like, the D.A.R.E. crew. Remember the D.A.R.E., you know, like Team D.A.R.E., you know, drug and alcohol and all that. I'm like, I don't do drugs. I promise you I don't sell drugs, you know. And, and, I, and so we meet with the D.A.R.E. crew, and then they're talking to us about, you know, people who deal drugs and use drugs. And if you can use drugs, you can end up here someday. And I remember they were like, we're going to take you back, and we're going to see some of the guys in jail. And I'll never forget that. I remember we walked through these doors, and there's, like, you know, the bars, and then there's just, like, you know, rough dudes just hanging on the bars, like, staring at us. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, my gosh, Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, nine years old, I'm like, God, help me now, you know? Like, and, and I just remember thinking, like, when we left and got on the bus, I was like, um, a huge goal in my life is never to go to prison, okay? I mean, like, I don't know about you. But that's like a really big deal to me. Like, I do not want to be there in life, okay? And so Paul is in prison, and not even in like an American prison. He's like in a dungeon prison, like rats prison, like dark, cold, nasty chains. You're beaten, you're bloody, you are left for dead prison. Paul's fully convinced he's in prison. Paul is also fully convinced that they're going to experience opposition for their faith in Jesus Christ. You know, people ask me things like, you know, America's changing. 
I don't know if we're, they'll say, you know, I don't know if we're going to be as free as we always are for our faith. And they'll ask me, well, what do you think about that? And part of me thinks, part of it might be good. I mean, a lot of us, we don't face real opposition for our faith. You know, when I read blogs and I read stories about those who are standing in churches out in the Middle East and they're praising Jesus and ISIS rushes in and they take them captive and they'll behead 40 people in a row and everyone will watch their friend being beheaded for the cause of Christ. This is the kind of opposition that Paul was talking about. But Paul is saying that we're going to face opposition in life, but he's going, he's encouraging people to go, listen, look at my life. Look at my life and look at the attitude that I have as I go through this opposition in life, and I want you to copy it. Because I don't know if you've figured this out yet, but you're going to go through some opposition in life. And you're going to have to figure out what kind of attitude you have. Paul is speaking of his own courage, commitment, confidence, even in prison. Paul is encouraging us as believers as we face opposition, can you still have peace? You know? There's some days I'm like, I'm going to go postal today. You know, I mean, I don't, I, I don't even have a gun, but I'm going to go buy a gun. You know, I'm going to do some bad things today, you know? I don't know, some of you are like, what's postal, you know? That's an old thing, okay? You know, when you face opposition, can you still pray? Can you still pray? We've talked about this in a couple of previous series. Like, like when you go through opposition, is your default like, oh, God's not good anymore? And because I'm not seeing God's goodness the way that I want to see it, and I'm not seeing everything work out the way I want to, I don't know if I can really seek his face the same way, right? Isn't it amazing how when people, per se, go through opposition, the first thing that you see is they stop coming to church? You know? Can you still be thankful and devoted to Christ when opposition and hard times come at us? So Paul is fully convinced of what? He's fully convinced of Jesus, but what he's saying is, I'm not fully convinced in the circumstances of life because circumstances are going to change. And I, all I know is this, the older that I get and the more God wants to use my life for his glory, I realize that circumstances seem to get harder and harder. They just get harder and harder. And it feels like I have more opposition after more opposition. Like I said earlier, this week was probably one of the longest, stressful, anxiety-filled weeks of my life. Tuesday, the fire department came, and, man, they told us to tear down the wall and take down our curtains and lop off half of our stage. And I'm fighting with the fire chief for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you know, and then on top of that, I'm having meetings with the city of, you know, Liberty Township because we're trying to obtain this other building, this facility in Jesus' name, we're going to have that. I'm telling you, people, we are going to have that building. I'm telling you, in February, we're going to have our first service 
is there, and it's going to be incredible. But I'm dealing with the city all week on that. And Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'm fighting for elevating our future. And my mom is back in the hospital because she's got cancer, and she's fighting with stuff. It's just been a long week. And everywhere I turn, it's like opposition, opposition, opposition. Wait, wait, maybe over here, opposition. And I don't know about you, but when I have this amount of opposition, the, where I want to go, like where I want to go, I want to go to the movie theaters and like hide. You know what I mean? Like I want a big, dark, black room. Nobody knows me. I want to sit in the corner. I want a tub of popcorn. I want some nachos with cheese. I want some Reese's cups. You know what I mean? I want the biggest, you know, Coke slushy I can find. And I want to drown my pain away in some sugar. Can I get an amen from anybody? Okay. But then what happens? The reality hits and you go, yo, I can't do that. Like, I got to meet with the fire chief, you know? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm telling you guys, Wednesday, we weren't having church today. I'll tell you that much. Okay, I'll just tell you that much. So the reality is we're going to face opposition. Either you are in a season where you're like, yep, I'm dealing with it right now, or it's coming, okay? And you go, whoa, 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 what kind of message is this? You know what I mean? You're like, I thought I came to hear the good news today. Well, you know, the Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust, okay? Listen, we're going to go through some things in life. We're going to have opposition in life. The question is this. When opposition comes, when these circumstances come, what are we going to do? Because the reality is this, is when circumstances of opposition come, the world that we live in, okay, society, culture in 2018 says, I got to find significance and I got to find satisfaction at any cost, right? So what do we do? We start looking at possessions. We start looking for significance. We start looking for approval. We start looking for uh, power. We start looking for things to satisfy the flesh, satisfy our souls when we're going through opposition. And when we respond like the world responds, because we got to understand what Paul is doing, Paul is going, listen, when you have a bad day, okay, gonna have a bad day. What's that song? I can't sing. Remember that song? Remember that song? You had a bad day, you know, okay. You're like, man, don't sing. Please don't sing, okay? We're going to have some bad days. Okay, what are we going to do? The world says, hey, at all costs, go pursue things that make you happy. Go pursue things that your heart desires and wants. Really what the world's saying is live beyond your means. Okay, but the frustration in living beyond your means means this. That because I live beyond my means, there's going to be debt in my life. Now, the debt sometimes, it's financial debt. 
I mean, how many of us go, man, it's been a rough season. I'm going to treat myself credit card, credit card, credit card, credit card, right? It's been a rough few years. We need a bigger, better house. We need a bigger, better whatever. We find ourselves in financial debt. Sometimes it's, it's relational debt. Sometimes it's time debt. Sometimes it's energy debt. Sometimes it's just us looking on the other side. This happens so often in marriage where we're looking at the other side and we're going, the grass sure does look greener on the other side. You know, my coworker, she really seems to get me or he really likes to talk to me. We start looking across the way, looking to live outside of our means, look to live outside of what God has given us. Sometimes it's spiritually and emotionally we become empty because we're living outside of God's time, right? We're living in debt. Sometimes it manifests in addiction. Sometimes it's escapism. And I really think this is like where a lot of people are at. And I understand it. Okay, I just talked about it, that when hard times come, it's natural in our DNA to go, what can I do? Can I go play golf? Can I go, you know, can I get away somehow? We want to escape the realities of our life. But the question really is this, okay? In these moments, what is really steering the course of our life? What is really going to steer when opposition these hard times come? Okay, because remember, Philippians verse 9 says this, I pray that your love would overflow more and more. So Paul is saying that even in opposition, even in hard times, your love can grow. Come on, can I get an amen, okay? Can I get an amen? That even when you're going through the rough seasons of life, God's grace can be more than enough that you can walk in a love, in a grace that doesn't make sense. That people around you go, I don't really understand how they're walking in this kind of love. See, that's what people are looking for. They're not looking for you to preach at them. Okay, like, listen, like, people know about Jesus in America, okay? You know what I mean? They go to church on Easter. They go to church on Christmas. They've heard the gospel. What they need is not another person telling them the gospel. They need another person living it out in front of them. That's what they need. They need somebody to walk out what real love looks like. So he says that your love would grow more and more and that you would keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. What's up, big boy? That's a, that's a little one that came... Verse 10, for I want you to understand what really matters so that you will live pure and blameless until the day Jesus Christ returns. So what steers you? It could be three different things. First one could be this, emotional. Anybody emotional in here? I'm emotional, okay? I got my hand up real high, okay? I mean, I mean, we will go from zero to 100, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, we will be on the road praising Jesus and flipping somebody off the next moment, you know what I mean? We just got some bad drivers in Cincinnati, okay? That's all I'm going to say, you know? I'm passionate about everything. Um, I love justice. Justice is a big deal to me. I love, love, love justice. And so I'm a passionate, emotional being, 
in life, okay? Some of us are that way. How many of you, though, are, like, intellectual, though? You're, like, super, like, think about everything. You know, you're a processor. You, you know, you're, you want facts. You want reason. Yes, Drew. Yes, Drew, in Jesus' name. We all, yeah. Drew always wants 2 plus 2 to equal 4. But how many of you know that 2 plus 2 doesn't always equal 4 in the kingdom of God? It doesn't always work that way. Some of us are driven that way. Some of us are driven by people or people people. So we want to know what people think, say, feel about us. Some of us get really upset when we're not invited to, you know, the pumpkin patch with somebody. Can we just listen, the pumpkin patch, okay? I mean, like, it is, it is obsession in America. Listen, if you want to make, like, a bazillion dollars, just start a pumpkin patch, okay? And just invite a bunch of white girls to it, you know what I mean? Like, you'll make a lot of money, all right? But the reality is this. These three things in life can steer us, but when they dominate us, when these things dominate us, we choose to allow one of them to directly steer our life, we then become what? Slaves to it. So that's something the Lord's been really dealing with my soul the last three years of starting the church because there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of decisions and there's a lot of moments that me and my family have to walk in big time faith and the Lord's going, you can't walk in this faith and be that emotional about stuff. You just can't do it, son. I know I made you emotional. I made you, and that's the thing, like, like I'm, not, I'm not afraid to say that this is who God's made me. Like I'm passionate for a reason. Okay? I love being passionate, and I love kicking the crap out of the devil because I'm passionate. You know what I mean? Like, I love being passionate about my family, about our church. I love, like, when, when I'm up here and I'm dedicating a baby and I'm crying because I love that kid. Like, God's made me passionate for a reason, okay? But yet, God goes, I don't want that to drive you. I don't want that to dominate you. I need love and grace and peace and joy, the fruit of the Spirit, to really be the thing that dominates you, Jeff, so that I can use your life in all circumstances. Listen, I believe that I'm on planet Earth for a lot more than, than what even I dreamt about. I drove by a sign the other day, and I, I called Drew Keller. I said I drove by a sign that said, you know, was it Chavit? Is it Chavit for Congress? And I drove by this sign, and, and I, the, it's just something the Lord, like, just, he, like, nudged me. And he goes, you ever think about politics? He said, you're not going to do this forever. You're going to raise up your sons. You're going you're gonna to pass this on to your son someday. I could really use you someday. And I called Drew up, and I said, Drew, I mean, I love Drew. And I said, Drew, what do you think? And, and Drew was like, well, I'm going to put this, like, spreadsheet together. And I'm going to have this plan. And we're going to start in Franklin where you're building your house. And you're going to be the mayor of Franklin. And we're going to start there. And, you know, and I'm like, praise God. Like, praise God. Like, yes, like, I'm on planet Earth for more. Like, God wants to use my life in supernatural ways. But i got to learn to allow when opposition comes to go, I'm okay. It's all good. I know this is hard and it's tough and I'm in the fire. But guess what? Jesus is right here with me. He's got my back. And I'm walking through this with him. So Paul's saying, listen. 
I know I'm in prison. I know I'm going through some things. I know that my fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, you better expect opposition to come because it's coming. But he goes, you know what? We're okay. We're okay. Paul's a great leader. Paul's a great pastor. Listen, sometimes I don't have all the answers. Sometimes people call me and they want me to give them the answer. The only answer I have is this. With Jesus, you're going to be okay. I don't know how it's all going to work out. I don't know his plan. I don't know what he's doing behind the scenes. But I know this. If you trust him and you walk with him, he's going to take you to the other side. Victory comes in Jesus. See, Paul understands this, and Paul understands this for a divine reason. And so go with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 9. Worship team, you guys can come on up. Acts chapter 9. We're going to go to verse 3. I'm in the Passion Version. I know that a lot of you don't have the Passion Version, but it's okay. Acts chapter 9, verse 3 through 7. It says this. So the order, so he obtained authorization and left for Damascus. Who is this? This is Paul, okay? Paul did not like Christians at one point in his life. And, I, and I, you know what I love about the story of Paul is that any moment that you feel unworthy and unqualified to be used in the kingdom of God, I just go, look at Paul. Look at Paul. having breakfast with somebody in our church on Thursday morning. This individual looked at me and said, I just feel unworthy to be used in your church. And I go, man, I'll give you about 30 more days of that. But at then, I mean, like, we're done. You're going to serve. I'm like, I promise you, you've done nothing greater in your past than I have. And I'm sure you haven't done anything greater than Paul has. So Paul gets authorization because what does Paul want to do? Paul wants to go and find believers, and he wants to chain them up, and he wants to kill them, and he wants to destroy their life. And the Bible says that Paul gets authorization to do this. And just outside the city, a brilliant light flashed from heaven and suddenly ex exploded around him. Verse 4, falling to the ground, he heard a booming voice say to him, Saul, Saul, because that was his old name. Isn't it amazing how God will change our identity when we come to him? We once have an identity in, in our old life, in our old you know, past, but that when we come to Jesus, he's like, I'm going to make you a new person. You know what my nickname was growing up? Jeff Shademeister, okay? And people would say, you're the shadiest person ever. I mean, they would. I, I would go, yeah, I'll meet you at like you know, 9 a.m. to help your you know, dying grandmother. You wouldn't count on me to be there at 9 a.m. You know what I mean? Like, like, I was just a shady guy. But I love how God changes identity. Changes our character. Changes our nature. Something that I used to be, I'm not that man anymore because of the grace of God. So Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul has seen Jesus. And the men accompanying Saul were stunned and speechless, for they heard a heavenly voice but could not see the one. Saul replied, who are you? And he goes, and then he goes, you know what I love about Paul? He goes, 
Lord. See, there's something that happens, like when we were talking about the presence of God, there's something amazing that happens in the presence of God. It's like in the presence of God, when we see Jesus, we feel his love. It's like everything around us stops. Every perspective that is wrong stops. Every lie from hell stops. Everything pauses. And it's like, oh, it's you, Lord. And this is what Paul is having. He's going, listen, it's you. It's you. I've been persecuted, but it's you. And it's like he's saying, Lord, it's you. I surrender to you. This is what Jesus says. I am Jesus, the victorious. Victorious Jesus. The one we can put our hope in. Strength. you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city where you'll be told what you are to do. You know why Paul's okay? Because Paul has experienced the presence of God. Once you've experienced the presence of God, some really tough days, but you know you go, it's okay.
okay? And whatever you're facing today, I want you to think about that opposition, but I want you to look at it through victory, the victory that comes through Christ Jesus. And we're going to sing from a place of victory, not because of who we are, it has nothing to do with you or your good works or your good deeds. It has everything to do with the grace of God. Amen. So just close your eyes and 